Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll check them out and give them a call. Johnson'sAirConditioning.com is the website. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is LifeInNaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll also visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo right here on the Paradise Coast. And we'll visit with Linda Harden, author of Greetings from Paradise. Linda will be joining us as well. It is December the 28th, and on this day in 1832, citing political differences with President Andrew Jackson and a desire to fill a vacant Senate seat in South Carolina, John C. Calhoun became the first vice president in U.S. history to resign the office. I hope we, uh, maybe there was others, but I would love to see the second, see uh, our current vice president resign as well, irrespective. Uh, Calhoun was born near Abbeville, South Carolina in 1782. He was an advocate of states' rights and a defender of the agrarian South against the industrial North. Calhoun served as Secretary of War under President James Monroe and in 1824 ran for the presidency. However, bitter partisan attacks from other contenders forced him out of the race, and he had to settle for vice presidency under President John Quincy Adams. In 1828, he was again elected vice president while Andrew Jackson won the presidency. Calhoun soon found himself politically isolated from the national affairs under President Jackson. On December the 12th, 1832, Calhoun was elected to fill a South Carolina Senate seat left vacant after the resignation of John Robert Hayne. Sixteen days later, he resigned the vice presidency. For the rest of his political life, Calhoun defended the slave plantation system against the growing anti-slavery stance of free states. In his early 1840s, when Secretary of State under President John Tyler, he secured the admission of Texas into the Union as a slave state. Together with Andrew Jackson, Daniel Webster, Henry Clay, and John C. Calhoun dominated American political life in the first half of the 19th century. Vice presidential resignation, I'm not aware of others. Oh, I think, didn't uh, Spiro Agnew resign as well? Hmm, I'll have to take a look at that. I found this quote, it struck me, so <laughs> I usually don't put quotes on the show, but this one really struck me as kind of interesting. This is Thomas Sewell, who said in a tweet, People will forgive you for being wrong, but they will never forgive you for being right, especially if events prove you right while proving them wrong. Think about that for a moment. Well, the number of COVID-19 infections has sharply increased in Southwest Florida, but for now, uh, hospitalizations have not followed the same breakneck pace, according to public available information and data. Cuyahoga County reported 1,130 cases in the latest week, up 291% from a week earlier when it reported 289 cases. NCH Healthcare System, which operates Cuyahoga County's largest hospitals, counted 17 hospitalizations on Monday, and that's up from nine two weeks before. 
Uh, case numbers remain manageable, but have crept slightly from the low teens to the high teens, NCH spokesperson Sean McConnell wrote in an email on Monday. Patients requiring intensive care, however, have continued to drop over the charted time frame. So no more proof, again, that this is a mild uh, form of coronavirus, this new uh, Omicron The Center for Disease Control and Prevention on Monday cut the amount of time it recommends. People should isolate for after testing positive for COVID-19, reducing the number of days from 10 to 5. Health officials similarly reduce the amount of time one should quarantine after coming in contact with someone who tests positive. The changes come amid a recent surge in cases spurred by the Omicron variant and concerns about staffing shortages at hospitals, airlines, and businesses across the country. Research has suggested Omicron, while more infectious, causes milder illness. CDC officials say the new guidance is in keeping with growing evidence that people with coronavirus are most infectious in the two days before and three days after symptoms develop. It makes me wonder if perhaps uh, that's not the case. What's really the case is the inconvenience and shortages created by people dropping out of the workforce as a regard of these draconian measures. So I think they probably reduced them just to try and go along to get along. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky said the country is about to see a lot of Omicron cases. Last week, the agency loosened rules that previously called on healthcare workers to stay out of work for 10 days if they test positive. The new recommendations say the worker go back to work. Workers could go back to work after seven days if they test negative and don't have symptoms. And the agency said isolation time could be cut to five days or even fewer if there are severe staffing shortages. So you see, it's a matter of convenience and not public health. Fauci, the president's chief science advisor on the pandemic response, said that a mandate might drive up the nation's lagging vaccination rate as well as confer stronger protection on flights for which the federal regulations require all those age two and older wear a mask. He said when you make a vaccination a requirement, that's another incentive to get more people vaccinated, Fauci said. If you want to do uh, that with domestic flights, I think that's something that should be seriously considered. So Fauci, anything it takes to get people uh, jabbed, that's what he wants. Everybody jabbed. Of course, I think he's in cahoots with the uh, big pharma, quite frankly. And it's not about public health for him. It's about uh, uh, profits for f- big pharma and control. Well, on Monday's broadcast of Fox News Channel's uh, Faulkner Focus, Fox News medical contributor and John Hopkins School of Medicine professor Marty Makari argued that the biggest failure in coronavirus pandemic response is the failure to tailor policies based on individual risk and that those who have chosen not to get vaccinated and have not had COVID, uh, they do not, uh, they do that at their own risk. We've never seen this level of martial law and paternalism to prevent mild infection in 300 million Americans, said uh, Makery. I guess his name is pronounced but Makery. He also said, look, the greatest failure of the pandemic response by uh, public health officials has been the failure to recognize that the risk of the virus is not equally distributed in the population. And while it may make sense when we didn't know what we were dealing with, it's now a, a lot of different circumstances. Now it has to be custom tailored. That means if, look, if somebody has no immunity and they're old and vulnerable, 
They've got no vaccinated and no uh, natural immunity. Sure, they need to be very careful. We need to protect those people right now. But the risk in the young, healthy person is very different from somebody in that situation. We've never acknowledged that we need to custom tailor the policies according to the individuals. And those who have chosen not to get vaccinated and have not had COVID, they do not at their own individual risk. They do that at their own individual risk. We've never seen this level of martial law and paternalism prevent mild infection. A 300 million Americans said Makery. Couldn't agree more. By the way, we've seen, if you watch any professional football or basketball, you see players are out in droves. And it's because of these quarantining and COVID responses and issues. They're probably not sick. They're probably asymptomatic. It will at least most of them. But irrespective, it's playing havoc with the NBA and NFL schedules and games. And uh, I think they should take another look at that business as well. Well, speaking to governors uh, yesterday about COVID, President Joe Biden claimed that there is no federal solution to delivering more widespread testing. It was last year that Biden vowed to shut down the virus. We've got to beat it back before we shut it down. Look, it's going to take time worldwide in order to be COVID. Uh, we have to shut it down worldwide, he said, as he announced new federal measures to beat back the scourge. Look, there is no federal solution, he said in response to a question from Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson. This gets solved at the state level. Uh, I'm going to Governor Sununu from New Hampshire. Biden continued on the board here. He talks about that a lot. And then ultimately it gets down to where the rubber meets the road. And that's where the patient is in the need of help or preventing the need, uh, the need for help. Hutchinson said that the hospitalizations are down in Arkansas and that they have sufficient tests to be able to expand testing at schools. But he cautioned, as governors are getting pressure to do more and the need to, uh, is great to do more in terms of the rapid retests and the availability of it, he, and Biden looked toward, forward towards uh, federal solutions that will help alleviate the challenge, make sure that we don't get let federal solutions stand in the way of state solutions, he said. Hutchinson's concern is that the federal government ramps up their purchase of tests and there will be less tests for states to purchase uh, to meet the needs of their population. Biden thanked the governors, by the way, for their efforts and urged them to understand that Omicron is a source of concern, but it, sh it should not be a source of panic. If you're fully vaccinated, you get your booster shot. And you're highly protected. If you're unvaccinated, you're at a high risk of getting severely ill uh, from COVID-19 and been hospitalized in rare cases, even dying. So that's Biden's position in the face of all the evidence that, you know, people are on cruise ships that are fully, everybody's fully vaccinated. They're getting sick from COVID. Uh, there's uh, it's a very mild strain right now, and people are, are overreacting. Uh, but Biden sticks by his guns. Hey, uh, you're going to be in the winter of death and dying if, you, in fact, you don't get vaccinated. That's where Fauci is, too. This is not like March of 2020, the beginning of the pandemic, Biden said. We're prepared and we know what it takes to save lives, protect people and keep schools and businesses open. We just have to stay focused and continue to work together. My message to the governor is simple. If you need something, say something and we are going to have you have your back any way we can, he said. So before it was, uh, hey, we're going to solve this problem and I'm going to take credit. Now it's, hey, you guys, you got to deal with it. There's 50 of you out there. Deal with it in your own states. And again, another shout out to our own governor who's done such a great job 
of protecting us here in Florida. Without the mandates, without the draconian measures that other states are taking, we're doing just fine here in uh, Florida. Cases are up, but hospitalizations, not so much. And uh, my guess is, uh, and I'm no medical doctor, and I'm no public health care official, but my guess is this strain of the virus will pass quickly as it gets towards its end. By the way, uh, President Joe Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, drew a storm of mocking ridicule Monday when he shared an op-ed uh, column that appeared to make light of the travails that have marked the past 12 months and was published beneath the headline, Let's Be Honest, 2021 Wasn't All Bad. The most universal theme for Americans who responded was a question as to whether the tweet was satire as the U.S. faces a surge in coronavirus cases caused by the Omicron variant. Other reference, the uh, chaotic U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, soaring gas prices, supply chain issues and the porous southern border and crumbling public faith in Biden and his deputy Kamala Harris as evidence that Klain was far removed from the concerns of those living outside D.C., Unbelievable. Hey, last year wasn't so bad. Are you kidding? This has been the worst presidency in the first year that we've ever seen. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you check out the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Higher Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way towards keeping seniors connected in the community and with each other. Serving all of Collier County, the Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding resources and services that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers, empowering seniors to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Programs are offered free of charge in a safe, welcoming space and focus on fellowship, enrichment and wellness, continuing education, and meeting basic needs through offerings such as daily hot lunch, health screenings, and counseling services. So whether you're looking for referrals to services or a vibrant place to make friends, enjoy community support, or learn something new, 
Collier Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center is your Collier Senior Center. To learn more about programs and services, please visit CollierSeniorResources.org. That's CollierSeniorResources.org. Or call the Senior Center directly at 239-252-4534. That's 252-3534. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and I hope you'll check out the website, uh, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Boo Mortensen. Right now, we have with us Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. And uh, I'm guessing this is kind of a slow time for a uh, state senator. Well, it, fortunately, it is. Uh, you know, most most everyone is at home with their families. Uh, although this week, staff is starting to gear up for beginning of session, which is uh, on the 11th. And so we've got, you know, this week and next week to, you know, tie up what we need to do at home. You know, one of the things I, I thought I'd mention to you is that a lot of people don't realize that our um, our state legislature is really considered a part-time job, mm-hmm. which is why the uh, salary is $29,000 a year. We, we are expected, or we have to actually, have real jobs in our communities. So, um, you know, what I've been doing, you know, as, as I mentioned to you earlier, I had some hip surgery, which has given me some downtime to do work in my law office, um, which is much needed, particularly because it's year-end stuff. And uh, so that's what most of my uh, colleagues are doing. They're home tidying up uh, year-end in their businesses or whatever their job is and getting ready for session. You know, Kathleen, I'm wondering, uh, one of the things the governor mentioned is that he plans on rounding up those people that have been dropped off here in Florida and sending them off to Delaware and places similar to that. Uh, but I've heard no follow-up story on that at all. Have you heard anything about uh, the? Uh, I personally uh, observe people that have come here from. It looks like Haitians, quite frankly. I don't. I don't know where they came from, but they came off of a bus. Have you heard any reports on that? Well, basically, anecdotally, from like you mentioned, you've seen it, and I, one of my colleagues in Jacksonville has has seen it. Um, uh, some planes have flown in in the dead of night, uh, dropping off uh, illegal immigrants. The uh, challenge is uh, once once they get off the plane or off the bus um, and they meet up with relatives who are already in the community, it's, it's impossible to find them. There's also another challenge in that uh, we, in, in our state, particularly in the rural communities, the farming communities, they're desperate for workers. Ah. And from what I understand, some of these, uh, and that's been the challenge we've had for 40, 50 years. Some of these workers have gone to the farm fields and are uh, picking tomatoes and strawberries and, and oranges and whatever. Um, and, and I don't know whether they have fake IDs or what they have. Um that's going on as well. It's a double-edged sword because if we don't have anybody picking the the vet fruits and vegetables, then they rot on the vine because we don't have enough workers, American workers, who are willing to do it. On the other hand, it's illegal. So I, I don't. I think the governor is probably 
uh, trying to figure out the challenges with dealing with this issue. Yeah, and I'm sure you agree with this, but uh, uh, it would be so nice if we had a legal immigration system that accomplished exactly what this is accomplishing, exactly. which is to getting foreign workers here. We do need these workers. There's no question about that. It's just that right. they should be vetted, and it should based on, be based on some sort of a merit system, not just people walking across the border. Exactly. You know, we've talked about this for years. A robust guest worker program. Um, it's it would be it would be helpful for our, our farmers. It would be helpful for, for our state. Um, but we would also be able to track these people. If we had a guest worker program, then they, there would be taxes taken out of their of their wages. And you know, it's just like just like a, a normal employee. And, you know, they're tracked. But the rate we have now, we don't really know who they are, where they are. And it's just complicating, you know, our whole system. Certainly is. Well, on another topic, uh, of course, you're going through redistricting right now and based on the census. Uh, how's that all winding up? And is there going to be any court challenges at all? Well, we assume there will be court challenges, um, but what's, what's really, it's almost comical in that when uh, our Senate maps were uh, were rolled out, the initial drafts that our staff had uh, produced with the uh, the computer modeling and everything, uh, the, the naysayers, the League of Women Voters and uh, Fair District people, they couldn't find anything bad to say about it. Mm-hmm. So they would say things like, it's not... It's not. It's it's not. It's barely un. It's not barely unconstitutional or something like that. They couldn't. They couldn't bring themselves to say. You know what? They did it right. So we did, and the uh, they're going to challenge it anyway because they just have to. Yeah. You know, they've raised all this money to challenge it. What are they going to do? So they're going to challenge it. But I I feel very confident that the maps that we were drawn uh, were drawn uh, constitutionally correct following the Voting Rights Act, following federal law, state law, and uh, I think they'll be upheld. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I know that there was a little bit of a, an issue with some of the, with one of the House uh, congressional maps, but if you look at the Senate maps, we've got senators living in the same district with other senators. We've got uh, uh, congressmen and women in the same district. I mean, we just did it right. And, you know, we, we feel very comfortable that once we finalize our maps, get through the process, they will be upheld by the court. You know, thank you for that, Catherine. I, Kathleen, I'm, I'm wondering, though, uh, the League of Women Voters, usually when I think about that group, you'd think about them as being supporting the Constitution and true conservatives and true uh, patriots. How do they morph into what doing what they're doing now? Well, you know what's interesting? Uh, we have a little bit of a different uh, history here. The League of Women Voters in Southwest Florida, while they, they do have a liberal bent, are a much more um, realistic, practical, um, you know, want to work together. But on a, on a statewide and national uh, level, they have gone very, very uh, left. And it's, it's um, you know, like uh, aligning themselves with leftist organizations. They don't. They don't. Anything that we do as conservative Republicans, they will take the opposite position, which is interesting because I think it puts the local league members in a little bit of a bind because I don't think they agree with all of that. But, you know, we'll see what happens. That is so interesting. So this is the quiet before the storm. It looks like the uh, uh, legislative session starting on the 11th of uh, January. 
Yes, yes, Tuesday. Outstanding. And, well, I'm going to hit the ground running. I think we'll probably uh, uh, approve our maps in the first uh, month and, uh, you know, start start uh, hearing some bills. I know the governor is putting together his agenda, his budget. We're going to start looking at that. So I think it's going to be – it'll be a compact uh, – a session, and I think it's going to go really fast. <laughs> Kathleen Pasadena, again, our state senator. I'm so grateful that you're taking time for our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us, and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo right here on the Paradise Coast. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, not only building a brand-new 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples, but also bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. She writes Greetings from Paradise. That's right, she's my wife. Right now we have with us Boo Mortensen. We're going to find out what's new with Boo right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure, Bob. Um, I'll tell you what's up on the Paradise Coast, people. It is so jammed. The beach, it's just, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen so many people. 
It's so true. I mean, the traffic is just unbelievable. Uh, Went out for a bike ride on uh, the day after after, uh, Christmas, the 26th. I couldn't believe the traffic at 7.30 in the morning. It was just unbelievable. So people are out and about. They've arrived in droves. You know, I even heard that Tucker Carlson moved down here. Geez, really? Yeah. Well, why not? <laughs> exactly. How was how was your holiday? How was Christmas? Oh, it was wonderful. It was great. You know, we had a we had a really nice time. We had people over, and you know, it goes all the preparation. You know, you play all the Christmas music, you do all that, you get the decorations out, and then poof, it's gone. It's and all over. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it goes quickly. Um, but this is what I learned yesterday. We decided last night that we were going to have dinner. We were going to have a picnic out on the beach. So I brought the candles, the tablecloth, and the question was, where, what were we going to eat? And my daughter-in-law said, let's order fried chicken and sub sandwiches from Publix, which we did. And we she went on a website, and it was all delivered, picked up, selected, delivered by Instacart. And Instacart is a grocery delivery. It's not like Grubhub where you they'll deliver from a restaurant. This is grocery delivery only. Hmm. And it was I was like, oh my gosh, you tell them what time you want it delivered and bada boom, it's there. It's amazing. Just amazing. So I looked into it. And I thought, well, how many people use this? 9.6 million people use Instacart on a daily basis. And you can make some pretty decent money. You can make a couple hundred bucks just putting what people order in a bag and delivering it. So who who pays the premium for delivery? Is it uh, the customer or is it the... uh... The customer does, yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know enough about it as to know who pays the delivery. But the tip, I said, well, I'll go down and get it. Uh, do I have to tip the driver? And they said, oh, no, it's already included in the um, in the fee. Isn't that interesting? So uh, did, you have a del- did you have it delivered to the beach or to your home? To the rent, to the to our home. Yeah. Yeah, it was delivered to the building, and then I called them and had them go through. But it's a, it is a subscription delivery service. You pay uh, a monthly subscription rate to have huh. it delivered. But... How cool was that? It's very cool. So I would imagine this is a solution for, like, for example, a lot of New Yorkers who uh, just want to have their food delivered. And they they must do a pretty good job of selecting the food items, too. Well, I think that, I think that it depends. There is, you know... <laughs> You know, like say you want three limes, you know, you hold the lime and look at you squeeze it or an orange or an apple or something. I'm not sure that they're that picky about the produce selection. Yeah. You know, may fall down on that. But as far as canned goods, pasta, bread, all of I mean, geez. And we select exactly what we wanted on the subs and they came. It was just really cool. Didn't they have to leave? That is so. That is pretty neat. I know that uh, one of the big tasks that Linda has every week is going to three different supermarkets for shopping. So uh, I guess this could, now. What's how much is this? What is the subscription for a mo- on a monthly basis? I'm not certain. I don't know what it is. I didn't go on the Instacart 
website mm-hmm. to know what it is. But it's got to be fairly reasonable. And they don't – I mean, it's just not public. You can get Instacart to go to Whole Foods, to go to Fresh Market, to go to Publix. Don't well, go anywhere. Wow. That's just – that is just great information. I've never heard of, even heard of it before. Neither, I know it. It's, it's like a game changer. That is so fascinating. So, Boo, are you going to subscribe? I'll tell you, I'm I am tempted to do it, but you know, I go to the grocery store. I'm kind of an odd duck, and I don't like to wait in lines because I'm so impatient. So the store opens at seven. I'm there at five after seven. I buzz around. I get what I want. I'm out of there by twenty after seven. So wow. For me, I'm not somebody. You know, they look, they take, they stroll up and down the aisles. I'm like in a dead run to get in and out. Well, it sounds like you've got the problem solved then. It might not be (laughs) something that serves your needs, but it sounds like a terrific service for many people, especially I would imagine people that uh, might be infirmed or don't want to get out or have uh, suppressed immune systems or whatever it might be. Just another. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, people that are, you know, sort of like shut-ins or people that are working. You know, my daughter-in-law has a huge job, uh, both she and my son do, and so they get home, and uh, she orders what she wants, and she gets home, and it's sitting in bags outside of her front door. That is amazing. Yeah. What's the turnaround time? I mean, can you order at 530 and and expect something at your door at 6? Okay, we ordered at 3 in the afternoon, and they delivered it at 5. That is and you amazing. See ranges of times. It's like four, uh, four to or three to five or five to six. You know, there are times that you select. There's kind of a range. I know. Who would have thought that? No, I, that's well, American ingenuity, huh? Another great business enterprise created by uh, find a need and fill it. That's the old saying. Uh, again, well, it's- and they have. And I, I think I would imagine with uh, uh, COVID that their business is, is gangbuster. I would imagine. Instacart is the name of the business. I would imagine you can Google or even probably go to instacart.com and find uh, find out more information. Boo, this has been so yeah. interesting. I really appreciate uh, that you're coming on the show and sharing it with us. I hope you and your family have a wonderful new year. You too. And next time we'll talk about uh, our goals for 2022. Sounds weird, doesn't it? It Sounds certainly nice. does. All right, Boo, thank, thank you so much. Happy New Year. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. She is my wife. She's also the author of Greetings from Paradise. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months, finally having exhausted all alternatives for pain management. 
Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app from the website choicesocial.us. We have with us Linda Harden. Linda is not only my wife, she's also the author of a terrific periodic newsletter she sends out to source of subscribers. It's called Greetings from Paradise. Greetings from Paradise is going by the wayside, folks. Well, we're, we're sorry to hear that because many people are entertained and informed by it. Why are you making that decision? Um, there's nothing to report here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, bottom line, it's, it's, there's nothing, you know, nothing new going on. I mean, there's a couple new restaurants open, but, but other than that, everything is kind of uh, waiting on COVID to get over. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. Hey, did you hear about uh, half Jamaican, half Indian Kamala Harris claimed one of her favorite childhood memories was celebrating Kwanzaa? Well, you, I can't say on air what I think about that. <laughs> yeah. So. Let me just say that. Well, um, the- I, I don't know who, where I saw it. Maybe it was on Telegram, one of the social media platforms that I, I follow for, for news, but they put that Kwanzaa is just so much BS. And, and, and oh, by the way, guess who else got online to celebrate Kwanzaa? Lori Lightfoot and her quote-unquote husband. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's so much insanity going on. And, and uh, just circle back on Lori Lightfoot for just a second on Chicago and all the travails that are going on there. Um, whoever tried to cash a check from for the city of Chicago and it bounced just <laughs> like, can it, can it get any worse there? Yeah, I'm not L- sure. Lori's taking care of business in Chicago for sure. So here's the information. Kwanzaa is a phony holiday created in 1966 by back black radical Ron Everett, AKA Dr. Malona Karanga, 
a violent felon who tortured two naked black women. And so, anyhow, this was started in 1960. So, so Kamala is celebrating it. She's celebrating it. Now, she was born two years after uh, Kwanzaa was, uh, quote-unquote, invented by this uh, guy, Ron Everett. But she remembers, she's telling childhood stories about how they celebrated, and they sat around the table and told stories, and that they had seven different principles. Her favorite was a principle on, uh, what was it? Uh, it was a, a principle called the Seven Principles. And hers was self-determination. That was the principle that she liked the most as a child. <laughs> what she a phony. Has, she has nothing else to talk about. Well, she's so, I mean, that, that is, of all the lies that have ever been told, this might be the biggest. I mean, it, it's just, incredible. remember the lie that she said, freedom, she, she's walking with her mommy and they, she caught up and she said, the thing I like is freedom. I'm looking for freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Kamala you know, Harris is a phony. You know, I, I heard an interesting take on Kamala Harris uh, the other day. <clears throat> I don't remember where it was. I think it was uh, Will um, Kane on, on Fox. But he says, he says, I think she's so insecure and out of her element in the position she's in. That's why she laughs so nervously all the time. And, and she, d she just doesn't know. She doesn't know what she's doing or what to say about it or how to a answer any questions. She is such so uh, much of a fish out of water. She has no clue. Well, I think she's uh, so unprincipled that now she's lost any kind of sense of her ballast in her life. She doesn't have any values to hang her hat on. And the consequence is that she's just out there fle free uh, floating and uh, Unfortunately, she's got nothing to say because she has no principles upon which to base it. Oh, but she has. Guess what? I don't know if you heard heard the story, but which was documented, and I think in like the twenty sixth paragraph of a, a a New York Times article that she's had Hillary Clinton. She's been meeting with Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I heard about that. I mean, I mean what is that about? And uh, and if I were Joe Biden, I'd be watching my back every single second well, and have a food taster. Well, my so in the absence of information, what I've made up my mind is they're plotting against Joe Biden. Hey, look, uh, Hillary. I wouldn't want Hillary Clinton plotting against me. <laughs> yeah, well, so she, she has a list. She does have a list. The, uh, the hearse comes up <laughs> with, in a lot of regularity. So uh, the one, one thing I've made up in my own mind is that uh, – uh, she, Kamala, and Hillary are plotting to uh, joke Biden to step away from the presidency and uh, Kamala become president, Hillary become vice president. And, of course, if that were the case, if I were Kamala, I'd be very concerned about my back because uh, I'm sure Hillary wants to be president. Well, I, talk about a bunch of people who have no idea what they're doing except that they're so their egos are so full of themselves that they don't care what how the country is um, is plummeting into uh, an abyss that may never it may never come well, out. Well, I mean, uh, this Ron Klein, I guess her name his name is. Oh, uh, the, the he, he sent yeah. he, he sent a tweet a tweet out saying that look, it wasn't all that bad uh, 2021. It's been an utter disaster. What are your thoughts about the presidency in the first year? Well, he's broken every every promise that he made. I mean, every, every single one. There is not one thing, one thing he's promised that he's done, and he doubled down and made it so much worse. Worse because guess what? You know, he's he was going to pull us out of Afghanistan and do it in such an admirable way. There is nothing, zero zilch nada that he's done that has has made the company uh, the country better. No, no. nothing, nothing. 
In, in one short year, in less than a year, because he took office, what, January 20th, right? So in, in less than a year, inflation is through the roof, people are homeless, crime is, is going through the roof. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're, we're shamed around the world uh, because of his stance and, and the pullout in Af- Afghanistan. I mean, there is nothing zero that he's done to make this country better. Yeah, I guess the one uh, thing that he wants to hang his hat on is the bipartisan bill on infrastructure, which, by the way, only 8% of the money is going to go to uh, infrastructure. It's kind of a shame. He's not talking about that anymore. He's not talking about buy back better. Joe Manchin um, pulled the rug out from under Joe Biden Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, he's done nothing. He's alienated Everybody. Well, no, that's not true. There are those people out there who say, and and I, and I go back and forth with people like that on, on social media. That well, he's he's not so bad. He's made some mistakes, but but he's really a nice guy. Really, really. <laughs> he's, really? He's, it, yeah. he's got a son who's who's whose reputation is absolutely awful. Yeah. For for drug addiction, for dealing with, I you know what I think about Joe Biden. Um, and I showed you that meme the other day on on, um, on social media, where uh, Hunter Biden is out on this on this uh, what what do you call it that that it's carrot and stick type carrot of thing. and stick and yeah. so and so uh, half naked Hunter Biden in a drug induced uh, stupor is leading the way and Joe Biden is is falling after him. I think he's compromised by everything no, Hunter Biden's done and and the only reason by the way, thank you for bringing that up because. I want to bring this up because nobody's talked about it for the longest time. Yeah. The only reason Joe Biden ever ran for president ever was to cover for Hunter. Yeah. Because they they he figured the press wouldn't touch Hunter, everybody would lay off Hunter in spite of everything. The, uh, the press was on his side. It, the only reason he ran be, because don't forget that that he ran for um he announced for president like 1 week after Hunter pulled out from this this deal in um, the in the Ukraine. Ukraine. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, uh, those pi- pigeons, I believe, are going to come home to roost. And by that, I simply mean that once we have a majority in the in the House of Representatives, I suspect that there's going to be even perhaps a, a named a special prosecutor to investigate uh, the president and Hunter Biden's relationship with the, these various with China, Ukraine, and and, and many others. There's just uh, so much information that needs to come out that's been hidden up to this point because of a uh, uh, Republic or Democrat controlled Congress. Well, yes, I I just think that um, you know they were talking about um, when Joe and Jill Biden were were talking to NORAD and that 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 caller came in and and said let's go brandon and and joe repeated it and jill looked like she <laughs> yeah. was just like horrified um jack persovic was talking about this the other day and he says um jack persovic is the uh editor now of uh, humanevents.com and by the way i encourage all of our listeners to check out humanevents.com and and follow him wherever you go because he is he is just the be- one of the best sources of news ev- ever anyway he said um, even Jill knows that this charade is over. They are so compromised by the com- Communist Party, com- Chinese Communist Party, um, that every time Joe says, "Oh well, I can't take these questions," you know, I'm not supposed to have, I'm not supposed to say this, and I'm not. It, he said, "I wouldn't be surprised if if people are threatening Biden, saying you better do this, yeah, or else." Yeah, 
is there's no question he's compromised. The question is to whom and, and how much. It's very sad indeed the President of the United States can't be trusted. But that's the fact of the matter right now. And uh, uh, by the way, this uh, whole this thing apparently in, in Pennsylvania now, they've finally gotten to the point where they're going to take a look at the machines, the Dominion machines uh, for voting. I don't know if you saw that story, but that's kind of interesting to me because you would have liked to have seen this whole thing progress faster, but there's a lot of resistance to what happened in the elections coming out. And, uh, boy, when that information comes out, and, and if once they investigate the machines, I think uh, it could lead to a whole bunch of dominoes falling uh, with around the, uh, the, especially in the swing states. Dominoes are falling. I mean, even this, this Supreme Court justice in, in Wisconsin testified that he knows that, that um, that the election was compromised. Yeah, I mean, and and Wendy Rogers, who's a who's a, uh, a state representative in Arizona, she's got um, almost two million s uh, signatures to decertify the election based on the information that they have. Not only in Maricopa County, but the new information that's coming out of Pima County, which is which was even worse. Yeah, um, it, it's and Georgia is is another one where there's uh, uh, Garland Favorito, which is an interesting name, but he seems like a really nice guy. Anyway, he's, he's, um, he's pushing back on, on the uh, judgment that came down that said that, uh, that going against the election was without standing or whatever. So that's coming out. And the press is just scrambling right. to so hide it. Uh, for our listeners, that we're kind of in the weeds now on some of the things we're discussing. But the point is this. I'm not in the weeds. Uh, no, but the, <laughs> po the point is that uh, there's a lot of information that's going to be coming out. This whole investigation into voter fraud, into what happened in the election, this investigation is not over. And nope. it's going much slower than I would have preferred, obviously. I would have liked this information to come out months ago. But the uh, wheels of justice are still grinding. They're grinding slowly, but they're grinding fine. And I think we're going to find out a lot of interesting information about what really happened in uh, on November third in twenty twenty. Well, not only that, I, I just I just think if if everything was was so above board, why are people trying to hide it? That's exactly right. Then we can take a little commercial break. And I get two segments. You go, okay, can you stick around? Yeah, oh, I think I can. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding.
you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity, maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We're continuing the conversation with Linda Harden, again, author of Greetings from Paradise. Again, Linda, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited today because guess where I get to go? Well, I don't know. Seed to table. Oh, my goodness. I'm very excited. Probably the happiest place in all, you, all of Collier County. That's exactly right. And uh, for good reason. I mean, great food, great uh, produce, uh, but also just uh, no mask mandates during the entire time of this pandemic. And just a very happy place. I just highly recommend If you haven't been to Seed to Table, give it a shot because it's... Uh, well, and, and and they post on, on social media all the time, but... but uh, Alfie has all this entertainment during the evenings. I mean, he's got a New Year's Eve party going on and, and all this music, whether it's in the downstairs where they serve beer and stuff or upstairs they have these, these great musical groups. Yeah. Um, anyway, also let me let just mention, we're going to, to Dogtooth tonight because um, tonight is the last night that David C. Johnson, the best best bass player in the whole wide world, As, is playing. Yeah, I mean, in fact, uh, David Johnson has uh, written the music and composed and plays the music that uh, I use for my intros and outros on the show. You can find him referenced on my website. But he's now moving up near Orlando, and the consequence of that, he's not going to be part of Mudbone. Now, for six years, every Tuesday night, we went to see uh, Mudbone perform at uh, Dogtooth Bar and Grill, uh, so this is last night for David, and I'm, I'm sure it's going to be packed. It's going to be packed, absolutely so packed. Mario's going to be back. Rick's, Rick's coming back. It's going to be a, a, a great, great testament to the talent of David. To, to have, because he is maybe arguably the best bass player in, in the, the world. world. <laughs> Unbelievable. So did you see a new polls out? Uh, just 36% of registered voters approve of President Joe Biden's job performance. This is according to Civics polling revealed on Sunday. Who are the 36%? 36%. Well, I mean, there is no base here. If you can imagine that. And that's overall just voters, if you can imagine what it is for independent voters and for Republicans. Oh, my goodness. Steve Bannon is convinced that it's that his approval rating is going to go in the single digits within days. The way The way he is screwing everything up at warp speed... He had he got on with the governors, 
And he basically said, look, there is no solution, federal solution to what's happening with this pandemic. You guys are going to have to handle it. This after promising the American people, we are going to solve this problem with great resolve. He had this four-point program. I'm going to shut down COVID. I'm going to shut down Shut down COVID. That's it. That's it. He had no idea. He has no idea what he's doing. Unfortunately, he decided to do that at the expense of uh, liberties and freedoms of the American people. It's interesting that he's done it now because we still haven't heard from the Supreme Court that's going to be looking at this on January the 7th. be interesting to see what they say with regard to the uh, employers that have more than 100 employees and uh, whether the Supreme Court will support his mandates. I suspect they won't. I don't know. I'm, I'm jury. Excuse me, but but. For me, the jury's still out in the Supreme Court because they've made some really questionable decisions. It's true. I mean, I, I don't know where John Roberts is standing. I, I'm, you know, we know where, um, uh, who's, who's, the, who's the black justice? Oh, uh, uh, excuse no, me, no, Thomas. He, Thomas. Yeah, Justice Thomas. I mean, he's, he's been spot on all the time, all the time. But, but I'm, you know, um, the new woman that they put on uh, yeah. has, has made some questionable choices. It just makes me wonder. There's well, so, you there know, are so many unknowns about what's going on there. Yeah, the uh, Peter principle prevails even when it gets to the Supreme Court. Isn't that scary? Yeah, people get a, get a position like Kamala Harris back to Kamala. She clearly is a victim of the, or we're a victim of the Peter principle because of she's gotten a position now which is way above her head and she can't handle it. So uh, just to uh, talk about the Supreme Court for just a second and who I am so glad never made it to the Supreme Court is Merrick Garland. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely what right. What a train wreck that guy is. He is a political operative. He's not <laughs> – he is anything but uh, a uh, He looks scared to death general. every time he comes to the microphone like somebody's um, threatened him with – his very life. And it, talk about compromise. Oh His son-in-law is running a company that supports uh, critical race theory. Uh, he should not be. He should uh, He should exclude himself from any kind of consideration on that matter because he's very much compromised because of his son-in-law's business. Anyway, so I'm, I'm really glad that that, uh, that he never made it to the Supreme Court because yeah. that would, would have been a disaster. No question. Linda, I'm so grateful that you came on the show today. Am I winding? Are you winding me up? Yes, I am. I'm winding. No, you can. I've got two (laughs) minutes left. So let me just say this about that um, quickly because I think it's important. This this testing thing that's going on uh, with this COVID thing is so dishonest. They are pushing the fear to test as many people as possible with tests that are over uh, sensitive. I'll just give you this brief note, like I told you last night. Um, Vermont, which is the most vaccica- vaccinated state in the union of any ba- any place else, their emergency rooms are full. Guess why? Because it's so full of they're so full of hypochondriacs that are oh I must have it I must have it. Yeah. There's there's asymptomatic. There's nothing going on with them, but, it, but uh, you need to get tested. So if if uh, such a high percentage of people are asymptomatic, what in the heck are they getting tested for anyhow in the first place? And they're apparently around the block. Uh, and wanting to get tested in New York City and other locations that are blue. So thank you for uh, bringing that up. Great to have you on the show, Linda. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. All right. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests for tomorrow's show, including Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute.
Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He'll be on the show as well. Always like to hear from you about the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.